Welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. Well, you can be seated. You can be seated. Absolutely a joy to be. You know, I do love the name Church Alive. I like anything that's alive. Who likes dead things? Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. So we're not into dead, but we're into live. And uh, it is a honor, a joy to be with you guys. Um, Trying to turn this thing on. Here we go. Hey, guys, did we have a great time yesterday, last night? Who won the pie eating contest? Was there one? Somebody won? How many pies they eat? They ate eight pies. Oh, one pie each. I thought, shh. You'd be like that hamburger eating, I mean, that hot dog eating contest. But anyhow, um, you have uh, amazing pastors here at Church Alive. You really do. And, And I don't say that lightly. Just in the time I've gotten to know Pastor Anthony and now Miriam. And I love to say this because... I believe it with all my heart that when God puts two people together, see, God's smart. Somebody asked one time, can a woman, can can a woman preach the gospel? I said, why would God waste half the world's population? God doesn't waste anything. When God puts two people together, he always creates a team. And we call it a husband and wife unbeatable team. Don't you like that word? That just sounds good, doesn't it? But always pray for your pastors. Always pray for them. The Bible said God gives gifts to men. Well, everybody knows that uh, if you've received a gift from somebody that you admired or a grandmother or an heirloom or a grandfather, you would prize that gift. It doesn't make any difference the monetary value of that gift. What gives a gift value is who gave you the gift. Isn't that right? So you have things that have been passed down from parents and grandparents and maybe great-grandparents that you would never depart, and you'll give them to your children someday, not because they're worth something, but because of the honor of the person that gave it to you. Well, the Bible said God gives gifts unto men, and one of those gifts are your pastors. And so when you honor them, you honor the God that gave you the gift. So always honor them, always pray for them, always appreciate them. And thank God for them and send them on vacation. But it's, a, it's a, just a pleasure to be with you. I got my son with me. He lives in Long Island, and we can't get out to New York. So he came here to New Jersey. The first time I've been to New Jersey. And amazing, isn't it? I didn't know where you were until I found out. But uh, flew into Newark. There's nobody in the, in the airport. The airport's empty. I thought it was a ghost town when I came in. But it's a joy to be here. Uh, Just real quickly, just to mention it, that any of our products, if you go to our website, robcarman.com, and I always tell people, because people spell my name right and wrong, so you can spell it any way you want, because we do, we have bought all the domains. So we got all of our products, we got audio and video on there, 
and you can get any of that stuff absolutely free. Or also, I also write devotions on Version Bible app. You got that Version Bible, biggest Bible app in the world. So just go on there, put in search, put in my name, and our devotions come up. And they've done extremely well. We'll hit, we'll hit over a quarter of a million completions by the end of this year. So then good. Hey, how are you guys ready? How many of their Bible, iPhone, iPad, smartphone, whatever it is, hold it up. Wave it around. Make the devil mad. I want to go to the book of Genesis in just a moment, but I want to, I want to preface everything first by simply saying, and I love this title. I came up with it. Stop dying and start living. There's too many people that are dying while they're living. I love what Fernando said a moment ago. There was so much life that came out of Jesus. You know, this book is a book of life. The centerpiece of the Bible is life. God breathed into Adam the breath of life. Jesus came that we might have life. The Bible said to walk in the newness of life. Jesus called himself the way, the truth, and the life. Everything in that Bible is life. Life is energy. Life is vitality. Life is passion. Life is enthusiasm. And the church should be the carriers of that life. We, we're not the carriers of death. We're the carriers of life. Everything in the Bible is life. There was so much life in Jesus. That power, that life, couldn't, it, couldn't, it couldn't stay within him. It went into his clothing. It, 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 it proceeded out of everything he did. Jesus had no energy leaks. And sometimes life leaves us because we have energy leaks within us. And so there's very little energy. There's A car in the garage needs no fuel. You know why? It's not going anywhere. And a person needs no life if they're not going anywhere. Life has to have a demand placed on it. And the greater the demand, the greater the life force that comes out of a human being. It is a, it is a natural principle in the Bible. The greater the demand, the greater the life. If there's no demand, there's not going to be any life. So you and I have to create the demand for life. And the demand of life is pursued within us because we begin to contain within our heart something bigger than us. The old adage, which is always true, is find something outside of yourself, bigger than yourself, that makes you forget yourself so you can give yourself. But you'll never give yourself until you find something outside of yourself that's bigger than yourself that makes you forget yourself. You'll never give yourself till you forget yourself. You'll never forget yourself until you find something outside of yourself, bigger than yourself. That's the reason why God puts you in a church with a big heart and a big vision and a big purpose. And when you hook your wagon to that, you begin to find something outside of yourself, bigger than yourself, that makes you forget yourself, and then you will give yourself. When I think of life, my mind goes back to a, an old friend of mine. He's pretty old now. He just turned 98. That's old. Isn't that old? 98. His name is Wayne Myers. Wayne Myers got saved on the USS Enterprise. He knows the only aircraft carrier in World War II that was never sunk. He got saved on the USS Enterprise in World War II fighting the Japanese in the South Pacific with a 500-pound, this is an amazing story, a 500-pound armor-piercing bomb bounced off the wooden flight deck of the USS Enterprise and blew up in the Pacific Ocean. That's when... Wayne decided to give his life to Jesus right then and there. 
That's a good time. And God dictated to him his call. Eighteen months later, he was discharged from the military. And God said, go to Mexico. I asked him years later. I, you know, I didn't know him back then. I wasn't alive. But I said, I said uh, uh, did you speak Spanish? He said, no. See, he's from Mississippi. They don't speak English good. I mean, you can't understand Mississippi. I, I've been there too many times. But he went to Mexico. He'd been there 75 years, him and Martha. She's still alive. He's still alive. He preaches four times a week. Amazing. 98 years old in a pulpit. He says two to four times. And if he doesn't do it, he almost feels guilty. And so when he was 88 years old, 10 years ago, him and I were in Singapore. I'll never forget what he said. We we're walking the streets of Singapore. And he looked at me and he said, I can't die. He talks real loud. Usually the older you get, the louder you talk because you can't hear yourself. He said, I can't die. And I said, Brother Wayne, I was calling Brother Wayne, you know, just out of I said, how come you can't die? He said, I can't die. I've got too much to do. There's three hundred churches that I have to raise the money for to build this year. He's built over 6,000 of them all over Mexico. I'm telling you, anybody that has raised the money to build over 6,000 churches, it is, it, it, that is an amazing thing. And it, 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 he give, he's, given every, he's given over 125 cars away. He gave his refrigerator away one time, and Martha came home, the refrigerator was gone, gave it to somebody. He gives everything away. He, was, he tells me the story of the time he was driving through the mountains of Mexico, and there was a pastor walking on the side of the road, so he picked, no, no, Christian. It wasn't a pastor, just a Christian. He picked him up, got him in the car, and he looked at the man, and this is Wayne. He said, are you a tither? And the guy, the guy kind of fumbled and said, well, not really. He stopped his car. He said, get out. I'll have no thief in my car. And the guy fell on his knees and repented for not tithing to his church and got back in the car. That's pretty good. He's bold. But I think of life, I think of him. And for you and I to tap into life, to stop dying and start living, there's some essentials that we need. And the first essential is found in the book of Genesis. And it's an amazing story. Because Genesis is the beginning. It's, it's, the, it's the story of creation. And there's things that happen in Genesis that set the stage all through the Bible. And one of the things that happened is a question. Adam and Eve had sinned. God, they had died on the inside. God comes to them with a series of questions. And I love to always say God never made us to be robotic God loves questions. Questions instill thought. They provoke us. They stir us. A person that can ask a good question will always, will always stir up creativity. They'll stir up thought within people. Why are you doing that? What's wrong with you? How come this is going on? Those are questions. And so God loves questions. And he asks three questions. But there's one in particular. I want you to, if you look at uh, Genesis 3, uh, verse 11 and it says let's look at it well, man they're fast right up on the screen there and it said look at, and he said now, now what, look at this this is the kind of the foundation he said who told you that you were naked who told you the first three words are the big words 
Because those first three words are the words that God has never stopped speaking. The one thing that all of us have in common and will always have in common, the one thing that anybody has in common, regardless of race, regardless of creed, regardless of religion, regardless of upbringing, makes no difference. Whether somebody calls it a Hindu, a Muslim, a Shinto, a Christian, a Catholic, a Buddhist, there's one thing every human being has in common. Every person's life is guided and directed by the narrative that they accept. That's the reason why God breaks into the breaks it into the scene of a human life with this book which is the story of redemption because if this story can consistently chip away and change the narrative and become the dominating story of our life it will always create a transformed life within us so when you look at this you realize that God's never stopped asking that question who told you who told you who told you? you can, I, every time I look at that, you can almost hear him with this quizzical look staring at this couple saying, who told you? Who told you? He knew who told him. He's trying to get him to think. He has to dismantle the narrative. The narrative creates perception. Perception is greater than reality because perception changes reality. How I perceive determines my decisions, which determines my direction which creates my destiny in life. If my perception is foggy, if my perception is incorrect, then all my decisions will be based on that perception. And then my direction will become wrong and my destiny will become wrong, all because the narrative, the story, the image, the picture inside of me is incorrect. And when that's incorrect, that's got to be shifted. And it all goes back to who told you? Who told you that? Now, the reason why God responded the way he did was the response to the verse prior to Genesis 3, 11. Genesis 3, 10. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. And he said, I heard, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. This is the headlines for the last six months in 188 nations. This is the regurgitation that we have heard not a hundred times, but 10,000 times. That verse right now can be on the front page of every newspaper. Fear and hiding. Fear and hiding. Fear and hiding. Anytime fear dominates the human mind, the, well, they, they'll always go into hiding. There'll always be a retreat. There'll always be a shrinking back. Fear is the most sinister enemy of human personality. Fear will destroy your days. It'll haunt your nights. It will creep into your soul. It will destroy the human organism called the body. It will lower the human immune system. It'll make you more susceptible to disease than anything. 
Back in the 1950s, I read a lot of medical books. Back in the 1950s and 1960s, almost all medical doctors had come to the conclusion, including the Mayo Brothers, who started the world-famous Mayo Clinic, said if we can eliminate fear and, fear and worry from the minds of our patients, we can eliminate 70% of our beds in 24 hours. It is so diabolical. It is so destructive to the human body. Nobody and nobody will be able to calculate over the last six months why cases go up based upon fear and worry. Worry is a destructive. You know what the word worry? Worry is an old English word. Worry comes from the word. It literally means to put my hand on your neck and slowly choke the life out of you. That's the root word of the word worry. And worry is always the precursor. Worry can, I call it, I did a whole um, podcast. I call it the evil twins, fear and worry. They're diabolical. The greatest admonishment in the Bible is fear not. 365 to 400 times, depending on the translation. And we have been inundated with a narrative. And it's time we disrobe that narrative. It's time we disarm that narrative. It's time we cast down that narrative and say, I am not going to be governed by fear. I'm not going to be governed by worry any longer. Because fear and worry always creates, and you hear this all the time, I got so tired of hearing it, that I decided to hit it with everything I've got. And that's the word safe. Let's be safe. We want to keep you safe. Safe? Safe? Why do I want to be safe? Where in this book does it propagate a life of safe? Where in history? Well, wars aren't won by being safe. Battles are not won by being safe. When 103 pilgrims boarded the, way, the Mayflower and made their way across the Atlantic Ocean to the eastern seaboard of this nation, walked off and planted a cross in the ground and got on their knees and dedicated this land to the Lord Jesus Christ and the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations of the earth in November of 1620 by March of 1621 50% of them had already died safe there's nothing safe about that safe would have stayed where they were in 1776, when 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence pledged their life, their sacred honor, and their fortunes. And by the time that war was over with and the Revolutionary War was won and this union became a union, the United States of America, almost, almost 100% of them had lost one of three things that they had pledged. Nothing safe about that. Safe when the Moravians that left Europe to go to the West Indies in Africa as missionaries to preach the gospel took their own caskets and loaded their clothing in their own caskets because they knew they would never step foot back in their native land again, but they would die in a foreign land. There's nothing safe about that. Safe is not in the Bible. I'll tell you what's in the Bible. Save. Seek serve sacrifice and if need be suffer for his name's sake but there's nothing in there that's safe safe people 
never build. Safe people never advance. Safe people never go forward. Safe people never step out of the boat onto the water like Peter did. Safe is to stay secluded. Safe will always create me to cause me to shrink back. Safe will always cause me to insulate myself. Safe will always cause me to sit and do nothing and just wait. Just wait. Wait. Oh, wait. Wait for everything to leave. Well, how long are you going to wait? I'm not going to wait for something. I'm going to stand up and do something for God. God never told me to be safe. He told me to go forward. We have been inundated. 188 nations with the spirit of fear. And it's time we say enough is enough. I'm not buckling. I'm not bowing. I'm not cowering. Because the God, we sing the songs, why don't we believe them? We pray the prayers, why don't we believe them? If our God is so mighty, then let's stand up and act like he's mighty. There's not an entity out there, folks, that's trying to find you. It's a weak virus that's dying every day, but the greater one's in us. Was it safe when, I'm trying to think of the guy's name right now, that went to South Africa 110 years ago. Um, I'll think of his name. Anyhow, and people were dying of smallpox, and he took his finger and stuck it inside the, the, the smallpox German, put it under a microscope, and it died in his hand. And they said, oh, you've received a vaccination. He said, I sure did. I received the vaccination of God. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world, and anything that touches my body will die. Not safe about that. I love what, uh, I'll read it to you, so good. I love what Churchill said. I, I, you know, there's just certain people you, you, you read at. Churchill, you used to be speaking German without Churchill. He's an amazing individual because he had guts. He was one that stood up in the midst and ate off Hitler and got on BBC radio and said, we'll fight you in the air. We'll fight you in the sea. We'll fight you in the streets. We'll fight you in the fields, but we will never surrender. And he took a nation and rose and listen, England was the last, France had already fallen. England was about to, we were, they were bombing the thing. The buildings were falling, but they had one guy, one man, one leader that rallied a nation together and brought the destruction of one of the most evil men on this planet, Adolf Hitler. And he said this, Winston Churchill said after World War II, he said, this is so good. He said, you, you, we live out in practical terms what we believe about the future narrative my perception we live out we live out we live out in practical terms what we believe about the future when prophets of doom and gloom well we've had enough of that paint a dark picture dark picture nobody has the right to take hope out of the human heart nobody has that right no news media has that right no medical doctor has that right no health professional has that right no news correspondent has the right to extract one of the greatest most profound most prolific most powerful things that god gave a human being and that is hope 
because hope is the anchor of the soul. Hope is the place of refuge. Hope is a helmet. Hope is that beautiful, favorable expectation that tomorrow will be great. And it pulls me like a rope into my future until my future becomes my present. A person without hope is hopeless. Nothing, nothing, nothing is ever hopeless. To say that something is hopeless is to say that God's helpless. And God's not helpless, so nothing is hopeless in life. He said, when prophets of doom and gloom paint a dark picture about your future, you and I begin to live in terms of the narrow, the short term. We shrink back in fear. We become self-centered. We insulate ourselves with the instant and the sensual. It's no wonder that two weeks ago, the biggest meth bust took place from the cartels in Mexico flooding into America. Because people insulate themselves with the instant and the sensual. It's no wonder that there's more suicides in one month in California than five months of COVID. It's, not, it's no wonder that pornography is, is at an all-time high. It's no wonder that the suicide hotlines went up 8,000% because people insulate themselves with the instant. The spousal abuse is an all-time high. People insulate themselves with the instant, the sensual. Things go off the charts because we're not made. Biologically, we're not made. Emotionally, we're not made. Physically, we're not made. Spiritually, the human being, the triune being of God inside of you and I, the is not made. We're not made. We're not made for fear. It is counterproductive. It destroys everything within us. And then he goes on. He said, but, that's a big one right there. When we see our future with hope and promise, hope and promise, hope and promise, hope and promise. A guy was shot during World War II. His name was Lou Miller. Two bullets in the head, one bullet in the shoulder, two bullets in his, in, in, in his arm. He's put in a military hospital. His weight from weight weight from 175 pounds to 90. They said, You're dying. You're dying, Lou. No hope for you. You can't take hope. And so Lou Miller made a decision. He said, I'm gonna live inside the imagination of hope. Never live out of a negative memory. Always live out of a positive imagination because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or imagine. Imagine, imagine, imagine. Lou Miller lay there in an army hospital and he began to see his future. He saw himself getting married today, getting married in the future, raising kids, being active in his church, active in his community, holding down a fantastic job. And to the doctor's amazement, the weight began to come back. The healing began to come. He walked out of that hospital. He got married. He held down a great job. He became active in his community. Everything he dreamed, everything in his imagination that he built began to happen. It's amazing what will happen. Your body chemistry will change when you and I begin to live with hope and promise on the inside. He goes on and he said, we'll start living expansively. We'll live expansively and we, and we will think 
in terms of generations yet unborn. That's why you got a kid's church. That's why you got men. That's why you got women. That's why you're doing things. Because we got in the next generation. We got to pass this thing off better and bigger. Fear will never do that. But faith and hope will. Faith and hope will. I don't want to hide. Fear will always cause hiding. It will cause me to shrink. One more thought. One more thought. I got a lot of them. I can't get to my third one. I hope I could do it maybe the next service. If we're going to, we got to change the narrative. Got to change the narrative. And I'm telling you something. You and I are bombarded. You got to change it every day. It's not going to happen. Well, I changed it. Oh, praise the Lord. No, you got to do it every day. You got you to do this on purpose and for a purpose. You got to fight sometimes. The good fight of faith. You got to make a decision. Uh-uh. No. I'm not listening to this thing. I'm not living out of a negative memory. I'm not letting fear and hiding grip my life. I'm going to live expansively and boldly. And then you, got to, then you and I have got to come to terms with one of the greatest principles in the Bible that four lepers discovered. It wasn't four prophets that found it. Or a pastor. It was four lepers. That's got to be good. I mean, when four lepers find a truth and it works for them, there's hope for all of us. These guys, I don't know if they were educated. I don't know. But they were sitting outside. It's in 2 Kings chapter 7. Listen to it. They were sitting outside the gates of Samaria, four lepers. The gates of Samaria, they had, the enemy had besieged it, the Bible said. So nobody could get in. Nobody could get out. They cut off their food supply, and there was cannibalism going on. They were all going to die. Four lepers, they couldn't go in. They, they were sitting outside the gates of Samaria. The enemy was way over here. He had, they had taken control. His four lepers said this. Listen to it. It's a powerful thought. Muy poderosa. For all of you Hispanics. They said if we sit, we die. I'll tell people all the time. That's a true statement. You sit, you will die. Because nothing in us was made every fiber of our being was created for movement and anytime interaction or movement ceases death will always occur it's the way we're made if the eyes can't see they go blind if the ears can't hear they go deaf it's an absolute truth if the legs don't move muscle atrophy sets in muscles will die everything is made for movement everything is made for strength that's how God formed us that's how God made us if we sit we die then they said this, if we go into the city, we die. If we get up and head towards the enemy, we die. What they discovered has built some of the greatest enterprises, greatest athletes that have ever won races discovered this truth. Some of the greatest sports teams that have ever won championships that were underdogs found this truth listen to it we die we die we die you say that's a truth oh yeah it's a good one we die we die we die any way you look at it we die you say what is it I'm going to tell you I love it I got to slow it down I got to slow it just a minute I found out that I go too fast, people don't 
Preaching is like eating. No woman wants to cook a meal for people that aren't hungry. But as she's cooking, they're smelling. They say, is it ready? And she says, almost. I got an Italian, you know, I come from an Italian family. I got an Italian daughter-in-law and she can cook. And when she's cooking, I say, is it ready? She says, almost, until the saliva glands burst. And now listen to me. We die. We die. We die. Any way you put this together, we die. You say, what's so powerful about that? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. When you and I accept the worst, there's nothing more to lose except the fear and the worry that's hanging on. The only grip that fear and worry can have is if you think you got something to lose. But when you and I accept it, what's the worst that can happen? You die. Great. Sudden death. Instant glory. I got nothing to lose anymore. And when when a man or a woman has nothing to lose, they are bad to the bone because at that moment, they've got everything to gain. And when a person can't lose anything, they're going to go for broke. They're going to fight like they've never fought. They're going to run like they've never run. They're going to advance like they've never advanced because there's nothing to hold them back any longer. They've got nothing to lose. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray. You listening online, stand up. My God. Let your heart beat again. Let your lungs get filled with air again. Let your eyes see again. Let your ears hear again. Let your legs walk again. Let your arms move again. If you're a guy, pop your pecs again. But my God, it's time to go forward. Time to advance, church. It's time to say enough's enough. I'm going to believe this. I'm going to believe this. I'm going to believe this. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to do it. The diabolical thing of fear will not control my life. With your head bowed and your heart open, those in here and those watching online, if you're not right with God for whatever reason, whatever reason, we're going to pray. And it's not what you pray, it's what you mean when you pray. It's that connection from the heart at that moment. The Bible said anybody that just calls on his name will be saved. When the heart is reaching out to God, he hears it no matter what comes out. He hears the echoes on the inside. He hears the strain within us. He hears that voice within our voice that says, God, Lord Jesus, I need you. That's it. That's it. I need you. God hears that. If you're here today and watching online and you'd say, That's, I'm, I, 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 need that. I, want to be, I want to be in on this prayer. I want to make sure I'm right with God. Just slip your hand up all over the auditorium right now. Hold it up high enough where I can see it. Just put it up there, hands up all over. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Say this with me. Pray this with me out loud. And those that are watching online, pray it. Just pray it. Don't, don't, just don't mumble it. Pray it. Watch what happens. Say this out loud with me. Oh, God in heaven, I believe that Jesus 
is the Son of God. He died for my sins, was raised from the dead to give me life. Lord Jesus, I open my heart and I ask you now, come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Cleanse me now. All my sin. And from this day forward, I'm going to serve you and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, give him a shout. Yes. I'm like so blown away. I think I'm ready to enlist into an army. Well, actually, we are enlisted in an army. The greatest army with the greatest mission, which is the rescue of mankind. We get to be co-laborers with Jesus Christ in this thing called the local church. Isn't that incredible? Hey, for every single one of you who raised your hand to give your life to Jesus, welcome to the adventure. It's not always gonna be easy, but it's gonna be worth it. Amen. Hey, we have a gift for you. If you did raise your hand, you can pick up this book at our Next Steps counter right outside that door. If you're online, you can text Connect 7 to 97,000. We'll mail this baby to you. Uh, More importantly, though, we want to invite you back. If this is your first time, keep coming back. This is a place of faith. This is a place that will build you. This will be a place that will empower you and your family. His word says those who are planted in the house of God, they will flourish. They will thrive. They will win. They will win. Stop dying. Start living. What a powerful word. You can catch it online. Um, start. You can keep watching it all day. We'll be online all day tomorrow. We love you, church. Believing the best is way ahead of us. Actually, it's like right now. It's tomorrow. It's the day after. You don't have to keep waiting. The best is right here. Amen. And it's going to keep coming as long as your hope is in Jesus. We love you. Praying for you. Excited that you're with us. Those online, we love you. Praying for you. Can't wait to see you again soon. God bless you guys. Bye-bye.